0: About a week ago, I put a post out on Twitter and on Reddit asking for your questions, concerns, any kind of statements you have about the Birmingham Legion. For me to talk on this part two of the State of the Legion, I got everything from coaching changes, roster changes, if we should change the roster or whatnot. I got tactic changes, I got protective comments, and everything in between. I am super pumped for this episode, and I hope you are too. And let's get into this. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Hammering Down, I'm your host, Caleb Hodges. Hoping you're having a great one. I just want to go ahead and get a quick little little ad out there. If you want to support the show, if you feel the means to do so, go check out the link in the description of this for Buy Me a Coffee dot com for slash hammering down it's a quick way for you to support me support the channel Um, it can be a one-time payment a monthly thing kind of like patreon i'm working on some perks of doing that haven't fully figured it out quite yet but just throw that out there so this episode was is being recorded a little bit sooner than i expected And the main reason being is that Junior posted on to his Twitter and Instagram saying that he would not be rejoining the club this upcoming year, which kind of sucks because that's an offensive presence that's not there, but a lot of fans didn't seem to mind because they thought the Junior experiment was unsuccessful. And I agree, he didn't bring in the goals and the assists and pull the plays that we thought he would, but... I don't think that was Junior's fault. Now let's go ahead and get into this because I want to talk about the tactics because this seems to be the biggest point of contention of in the Birmingham Legion world, at least to me, at least from all the people that I talk to. And I think it's pretty safe to say that tactics is the most divisive thing happening with the Legion right now. Our most successful team that we saw this year played a 3-4 or a 352. And I do believe that that is going to be the way forward for the Birmingham Legion. And let me tell you why. Now, in recording this, I just want to be known that in the tactics talk, I am going to bring in a little bit of roster stuff as well. Um, I hope that's fine with you. Basically, I think the 352 is the best place for the Legion. And I don't think it's really close. Basically, we have a lot of great center back depth. Let's just talk about that first. And we can talk about in the middle of the season about decisions to rest people or certain tactics. But I'm going to leave that to coaching side um, when we talk about that later. Basically, we have four solid, solid center backs. And I personally believe we have three borderline all-USL center backs and that being Alex Cronali, uh Benifemu, and Captain Fantastic himself, Fanwell Cavita, who just won the team MVP, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. Good for Fanwell. Um basically we have three great center backs that need to be utilized. They're absolutely brilliant. And by using those three center backs, typically you don't have to sub center backs as much. This is just talking about normal, I guess, football or soccer tactics and substitutions. You don't sub the center back that much. What this allows you to do is have three center backs back there that don't need to be subbed often. They don't really have to be moved around or rotated as much throughout the year. And if you do, you have Jake Roof on the bench who is absolutely brilliant, by the way. You have that option. Or if you want to throw Zach Carvo back there, but if you listen to the last episode, you know how I feel about that. You have three center backs. What does that do? It allows your left back and your right back to play more of wing back positions. Meaning you only have to fill three true midfield positions. And that means you get a lot more chance of rotation throughout the year. And then you have the two guys up top. And this is a really interesting conversation. Because when you have two players up top. The reason that we went three up top last year is because we had Prosper, Nico, and Junior up there. Which was fine. But... What it did most of the time was we had to remove somebody for JJ, whether it be Prosper, Nico, or uh, Junior. JJ had to find a spot in there somewhere, and it didn't allow Jaden Cervainia to play, who, by the way, is still a brilliant footballer and deserves to be playing. We'll get to that in a minute. So why do I think this will work for the Legion, and why did it work last year? Okay, so we have some brilliant players on the team, and I'm going to talk about players who I think will be around next year, and I can't guarantee this, or at least players we can try to look to get and replace these spots. Let me explain. I feel like I said that a lot. Let me explain. I don't know. Also, if my voice sounds weird, I'm sorry. Um, just got done with the album arkansas game. And, yeah, it was it was a crazy night, just let me tell you. But, anyway, um, what I see is that Alice Cornali is probably going to be one of the better libero roles that you're going to find in the USL. He has the speed. He can dribble the ball. He can get up into attacking spaces. And he is a very good uh, last line defense or a sweeper. I think he is absolutely brilliant in that role. And you can have someone like Fanwell, Kavita, and Benafema who, you know, are very strong, very quick players. They're not as fast as Alex, if that makes sense. So they can be more of anchor points in the back and or in the back line, which would allow Alex a little bit more ability to get up, because as we saw this year, his height was a real problem for pretty much all teams, so I think that would be a really, really interesting way to get him more into that attacking space. Let's move forward. We have Ryan, James, and Johnny Dean, who Johnny Dean just won the fan MVP, who was a just narrow victory over Anderson and Sedu Which I personally voted for Anderson, but Johnny Dean was a very, very good choice as well. Anyway, you allow those guys to get up into space and you don't put as much defensive pressure onto them. Imagine a world where Johnny Dean doesn't have to run B, not even just box to box, he is like... He is goal line to goal line kind of player, and that's the kind of role he plays. Imagine that he really does become a more of a box to goal line type run. I know that doesn't seem like much, but 18 yards, that really takes a toll on your legs. I go run 18 yards and my legs start getting wobbly. So, you know, doing that for 90 plus minutes takes a little bit of wear off the legs, I think, would leave Johnny even fresher. As a guy for Ryan James, we saw him flourish as a left wing back, and then we moved away from it. I think Ryan James is a perfect uh, person to show that he does well when he can get into that midfield space. He is a solid defender, but he doesn't have the pace of Johnny Dean because, A, no one does, but... I mean, B, he that's not really his skill set. He doesn't have to have that blazing speed to get back on defense. If he knows he has someone behind him to stop the ball, he doesn't have to necessarily work as hard. And we can drop those guys and create a five-man back line, which is great. And it also allows us to really push, you know, five, six people into the attack, which is also brilliant. And the question here is always like, well, who are you going to put in the midfield? I mean, to me, I think you have Bruno, you have Anderson, and then take your pick. Uh, Whomever you want, really. If you want to put Jaden Cervania into the midfield, I think you can. You could probably put him out onto, uh, I would say, the left side and let him do his thing. Or you can put Jaden up there as one of the attacking two. You could put JJ in there. You can do a lot of things with this lineup and manipulate it in a certain way. Maybe make it a sort of a 3-4-1-2. Where this is just me kind of talking out loud right now. What I would do is follow me from the three man back line of Fanwell, Alex, and Ben. Then you go into the midfield where you have Ryan James, you have Bruno Lapa, Anderson Issaidu, or sorry, Ryan James, Anderson Acedu, um, Bruno Lapa, Johnny Dean. Then next you have J.J. Williams, and then you have uh, Jaden Cervania, and you have Nico Brett up top. What this allows is J.J. to make those late runs into the box, which is really when we saw him score this year. We saw we never really saw JJ score when he was a target man exactly. His best plays came when he was the late run into the box and he could dummy somebody or he could, you know, make the late run score. That's the best JJ we see. He is also a brilliant distributor. And we've seen him grow a lot this way. By leaving him further back into the pitch, he can win those headers that nobody else is going to be able to win against him. Let's just make that clear. And it allows him to get the ball to someone like Jaden who the big knock on Jaden is, well, he can't cross the ball. It's because he's not a winger. We keep playing him in wing positions when that's not his role. He's really an inside forward where he wants to take on defenders, force them to make a mistake, and a lot of times they do because at the USL level, they're not ready for a guy like Jaden Servania, which is why I don't understand we didn't play him this year. Anyway, um, what this will do is we can get Alex, Alex Cornoli into the attacking system it utilizes the speed of Johnny Dean. It utilizes the passing ability and even the shooting ability of Ryan James to the left. It allows Anderson and Sedu to either drop back into the defense or uh, push up, which we saw him do a little bit more. It allows more space for Bruno Lapa because funny thing about football is that you have to have space to make space. And last year, Junior Flemings, and this is why I don't think Junior worked for us, is because we crowded the front line with players and he didn't have enough room to make a guy miss. By the time that he got somewhere, and he started to make a guy miss, so it's a Legion player now in his way. You can say, well, that's just poor spacing. Well, there's only so much space to go around. You don't have an infinite amount of space on the pitch. With a finite space, especially the space that they're being told to occupy, Junior couldn't do his thing. And I think Junior is a very similar role to Jaden. The only difference between Jaden and Junior when it comes to just purely tactical uh, decisions, is that Junior was known for his diagonal runs, going from wing position, running in diagonally, and getting a shot or laying the ball off. Well, I think Jaden is more of a, he wants to get into a channel, get a little bit inside of the wing position, more of that underlap role, and then just take on a defender head on. And from there, he can take a shot, lay the ball off to Uh, Nico, or give the ball to JJ. Jaden is a very dynamic player, and we don't see a lot of Jadens in the USL, which I think could cause a lot of issues for a lot of USL defenses, even some MLS defenses. Whenever the US Open Cup is back, please be back next year. So, that's what I think. I personally think we should go with a 3-4-1-2 or a 3-5-2. You could also make a little variation of Anderson stays back and essentially making a three one three oh wait three one three one two. I think I did the math right on that. Yeah 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me repeat that one more time. Three, which would be Fanwell, um, Fanwell, Alex Benafemu. Then you have Anderson Sedeu. You have uh, Ryan James on the left, Bruno Lapa in the middle, uh, John Dean on the right. You have a bit of a shadow striker-esque player in, um, in J.J. Williams, who would be kind of like a secondary distributor behind Bruno. And then up top, you would have Jane Cervania and Nico Brett. And I'm saying these names, and assuming all those players come back, that's a terrifying, a terrifying defense or a proposition for defenses that to go against that is a terrifying team for anybody in the usl which by the way we are we were not far off of being just insanely terrifying this year last night i say last night like tonight as i'm recording this or as last night as you are listening to this and we just saw louisville city and tampa bay go off against each other We pushed both teams pretty hard, Louisville more than Tampa Bay. But still, the Legion are not far off. And I think tweaking these tactics is really the difference between us winning and losing a lot of these games. Um, Somebody made a comment saying, I just want to run back this team just in general. Like, I don't want to make any changes at all. It was Nathan. Uh, Nathan said, just run it back. Same roster, no changes. And I agree. Simon also agrees with the 3-5-2. And he also says, "And the best formation, but we need a true number nine. Uh, we need to bring in a true nine. And I think we do have the true number nines. I just don't think we're playing them that way. And I think this system would fix that. The next three questions come from Benton and John. Who, you know, by the way, if you're not listening to the drafting series, absolutely go listen to those. They are some of the best content I do. Um, Benson asks, what are the biggest missing pieces, which I really don't think we have any. I think it's more or less just optimizing the pieces we have. And do you think the league format helped or hindered the Legion this year? I kind of think it hindered us in a little bit. I think it hindered every team. Seeing every team four times made me, in a way, not care. Because it was like, great, we're going to play this team again. let play this other team again. Why was Charlotte uh, Independence so exciting this year? Because we played them like 18 times last year. Started making a real rivalry. And then we had a home game against them. First time in a while that we played them. That was really exciting. If we had to play them four times again this year, I would have been absolutely miserable so I really liked I really liked having the one and dones or the two games I think that the league should go back to just having the entire I mean the league's too big now maybe western conference central conference and eastern or the western central eastern conference maybe there's obviously many ways to skin a cat if you will but I'm not too sure as long as we don't end up playing the same team four times because it makes those rivalry games feel like they miss and they mean less um oh John asked um basically how happy is the team uh with this season internally I mean the quote went around a lot of JJ basically saying that the USL Cup is the goal and anything else is a failure. And I do believe that is the vibe of the team. But other than Junior, who was not in the cards at the beginning of the year? He was not a player that we were really counting on at the beginning of the season. I think that overall the morale is pretty high. I'm not sure. I haven't texted any of the players. I thought about it, but I thought I'd give them a week or two before I start, you know. I mean, just texting any of them, because, like, not even just about the game itself, but just kind of about life, because there's a few I'll text from time to time, because, well, they're just fun conversations. But, you know, whenever you're probably disappointed about an outcome, I would personally want some space. But... If I had to guess, this is exactly where I thought the team would be after this year. Looking back at my preseason predictions, which I'm going to pull those back out at some point, if I can find where I wrote them down. Um, This is pretty much the exact outcome I thought was going to happen. I thought that we would end up going Eastern Conference semis, maybe the finals. I thought the Eastern Conference finals was kind of our ceiling. And I don't... In a way, I'm disappointed because after watching the team this year and what they can achieve, I genuinely think a USL final can be a ceiling for this team. But I think with the tactics we are using, we are never going to get past the Eastern Conference finals. And I hate to say it that way. I'm sure a lot of the players probably felt the same. I mean, obviously, they knew they had a great squad. But I think in general, for the guys who have been here since day one, they probably see the massive amounts of growth. Those guys being like uh, MVO, Mikey, uh, Prosper, Trevor, Anderson. I think Anderson. I think Anderson was a year was a year one guy. Maybe not a day one guy though. Um, but you know those kind of guys sticking around and seeing the growth. I feel like there's a lot of optimism going on in the club right now. The next question comes from USL Pony, who asks, How does road performances get fixed? Winning one of eight against playoff teams on the road doesn't seem to be a sustainable long term, which I didn't realize this, but one win at Miami, draw to Louisville, uh, Tulsa, Memphis, and a loss to San Antonio, Louisville, Tulsa, Memphis. And... I don't know, which is funny because I always considered us to be a better road team than a home team. But, you know, here's what I would say In the MLS, you see the biggest home field advantage of any league in the world, much bigger than any of the big five in Europe. And I assume USL might be even bigger, that being because. The distances are so far that away fans aren't really a thing. Distances are so far, so there's more uh, driving fatigue, uh, flight fatigue, so on and so forth. So I don't know if that's as big of a deal as it seems because I feel like that's probably pretty normal. Uh, Maybe not. Maybe I'm overthinking it. But whenever you're playing the best teams away from home, it's probably to be expected that you're not going to come away with points. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how that really gets fixed. I think a lot of that conversation goes to, is going to kind of segue into the next topic, which is uh, let's just, let's just get it out there. Coach zones, uh, C is getting kind of warm right now. And I, I don't necessarily want him fired. I say not necessarily. I don't want him fired. I don't think he really deserves the sacking at all. But there are a lot of fans who do. And I think it would be disingenuous of me if I didn't talk about it. And here's what I'm going to say. Don't try to fix a problem that you don't have a solution to. So, that said, I have done a little Bit of research, just a little bit, and I've tried to come up with possible coaching signings that we could that could fix this. Um, this is just my opinion. I'm not saying any of these are going to happen. The I don't even think that Coach zones seat is warm within the front office i genuinely don't i don't think the club is looking for a new coach i can't confirm that but that's just the vibes i've been getting so do not take this as the legion are going to sign blank i don't know i do not know that so please don't think that's what i'm saying but here are some possible solutions and some things that i think could work the first one that I think is a really interesting name to look at, and I think could have a good bit of potential in the USL, but, you know, like I said, probably wind up um, with the Legion. I just think it's an interesting name to look at, and that would be Jeff Cook. Now, if Miss uh, Miss Afemu is listening to this right now, she knows, already knows who this is uh Jeff Cook is the Penn State head coach and I really like the way he coaches. I think he is phenomenal last year he showed a lot of growth having one of the best offenses in the country and traditionally always has a pretty good defense and if you look at the way they run their team in the Big Ten um which is, honestly pretty similar to how the legion kind of build their team i think that there's a lot of comparable styles that could be brought into the legion that could work with this current roster one of those being benefemu um this is really the main reason that this name kind of came up onto my radar and the more i thought about the more and more i really liked it and it's because Ben, I'm pretty sure, was recruited by the union by uh, Mister uh, Cook, who, because Cook was one of the head, um, one of the head guys of the youth development program of the Philadelphia Union, which ended up finding Ben, and then he even took over as an assistant coach of the Bethlehem Still, where. Ben was, and lo and behold, Ben was also recruited to Penn State, so obviously this guy loves him, which, I mean, to be fair, so do I. I think it's really, really interesting to see. He also had a few years at Dartmouth and a few years at Cincinnati, where he was pretty successful at Dartmouth in the Ivy League, including several runs into Sweet 16. And throughout that time, I think you see a lot of comparable... Styles to the Legion, so it would not be a very major jump to the talent we have now. Maybe just a different mindset. That said, if you're going to bring in the same style and the same coaching mindset or whatever, shouldn't you just keep around Coach Stone? Probably. Couple other names to possibly think about. Um, one of them is interesting. Uh maybe not a good pick, but just interesting. Uh that would be Alan Koch, who is the Edmonton head coach right now, former coach of I believe Colorado Springs. And the reason I know of him is of FC Cincinnati. He I mean, he's just he's a good coach from what I hear and from we've seen results from him. My biggest issue is he, from everything we've seen from social media and his former players, could be kind of a locker room cancer. But that said, he is a man who loves the fans. He is actively involved with fans all the time, whether it be on social media, in person, whatever. He would be a great fan culture guy. And in Birmingham, where we are trying to build a fan culture, That might not be a bad thing. That said, what brings in fans? Winning. And Alan Koch can win. We've seen him win. We've seen him be very successful in the USL. Definitely would not be a good move, I think, for the Legion. But if it were to happen, I'd be like, yeah, I can see why they did that. And the last one, which I think is never going to happen, and nor do I think he should he leave, but John Harks of um, Greenville Triumph, as everybody knows, I do enjoy Me Greenville. Um, I went to a Greenville match the day that I got engaged. It it was a whole shebang. it was a whole deal. but John Harks, another F, uh, former FC Cincinnati guy, has, I think he genuinely is one of the best coaches in America, not even just, USL League One or the USL Championship. I think that he could outcoach many coaches in the MLS as well. He is just an absolutely fantastic coach. That said, would he ever leave Greenville? If I was him, heck no. I saw so many Harks jerseys walking around Greenville when we were up there, and it was not even a match day. People just had their US national team Harks jersey or like whatever. It's it was stupid. I mean. <laughs> The man is absolutely adored up there. I I think it would be very, very stupid for him to leave. But this kind of brings back into the question, and I want to circle this back, and it is, can Son win the big game, which was another question sent in. Man, this is a hard one, isn't it? It always feels like that... Coach Stone is afraid of going for it. It always seems like the important matches. He's just afraid to go for the win. And in these last two years, it's hard to say otherwise. I mean, last year twenty twenty, we saw us absolutely bottle, <laughs> completely bottle, getting a home playoff game during the COVID season, and almost completely bottled going to the playoffs in general just horrible 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 Ugh. um completely blew it and then this year we had important matches where we could have secured the division and secured a home playoff game which we did but we didn't because we decided to screw around with um with OKC energy which is frustrating in of itself and a lot of people have been bringing this into question. And here's what I'll say as a little bit of. Now, hold on. Now, just wait a minute. And that is this. Think about 2019 when we went on that massive winning streak and not allowing a goal for 600 something minutes. <laughs> Insane stuff. Every single one of those matches was a must-win match. It was every single one of those matches were the biggest match in Legion history. And we won, or at least drew. And we got into the playoffs. We snuck in, and we all know about the uh, North Carolina FC magic. So, you know, I just thought I'd throw it out there as a little caveat. Like, hey, he can win big matches. But we'll say, back then, we weren't expected to be anything. We were, I mean, yeah, we we were not supposed to be anything, and then we were. So there is that. i I don't know, I don't know what it's going to take. I think somewhere there needs to be a conversation with Coach Son of saying, Let's have this conversation. Let's talk about this. We need to just start going for wins. What's the difference between a 3 0 loss or, sorry, a 3 1 loss and a 1 0 loss? Not a dang thing. They're both losses at the end of the day. And at the very least, the fans get to see their team score. I think if we would have lost 3 1 to Tampa, but we would have put out more offensive threat I think we would have said you know what that's fair Tampa's nuts Tampa is just stupid but instead we just never looked like we had a chance and I think a lot of people felt that way against Louisville where we had them on the back foot for a long long time we were actually putting offensive presence and we decided to go fully defensive and park the bus we had them on their back foot and I think that just needs to be a style change I would like to throw out one more possible coaching solution. And this is not a great one. Again, this is not a great one. But I just want to think about it. Possibly moving Coach Son up into the front office because obviously the main knows how to recruit. And you bring up Cono Smith as a head coach. I've heard tons of great things about Coach Smith. I've heard he's absolutely fantastic. Who would you bring up as the assistant coach, Kaylor? Hear me out. Matthew Laurent, I have talked to him so, not so many times, but after matches, he is one of the guys that kind of hangs around and talks to fans afterward, and I'll talk to him, and the man talks about soccer or football in a way that I've never heard a player talk about it before, he is so analytical, he can break everything down in a split second, he is so incredibly smart. If Matthew Laurent becomes one of the next great American coaches, you heard it here first because I genuinely think he can do it. Just hearing the way he rattles things off. Like, there are players who can talk football. He is a player who knows football. He sees football before it happens. And I think he needs to be on the coaching staff and soon. If the Legion let him walk out the door, granted, if, it's for a, if he... Ends up playing again, which I'd be more than happy about. If he ends up being a player and playing somewhere else, that's fine. But if we just let him walk out the door without offering a coaching spot, I'm not going to say it's a failure for the club, but I feel like they didn't explore all the options because I think he genuinely may be one of the great ones coming up. These last two questions are really going to be one big question. One of them is basically asking about protective. This one comes from Mark saying, where we're going to be playing next year's drama a 40,000 seat stadium with three to four thousand people in it will do nothing for the growth of the team they said i hate to say it, but i'd rather see them at the met if given a choice i think that's an interesting take we can talk about that in a little bit but i also want to read this long uh message that was on reddit i think it's an interesting one I think the biggest thing to build into next year is going to be market relevance. We had all the momentum building in the first season, then we get hit by the plague. I'll admit, I deferred my 2020 tickets, uh, season tickets to 2021, but this year's crowd felt super anemic. Did the Magic City Brigade lose half their members? It seemed like it. So if we're moving to Protective Stadium, how does the club handled, handle that and build up the butts in the seats? Otherwise, it's almost too early to make any prog, uh, prognostications regard. I can never say that word. Prognostications regarding the play for next year until we see who's kept. I think the core will have to be the three. Will have three sparks on their shirts: Brett, Lapa, Sadu, Dean, Alex, Cronalli. Does Trevor make the move to number one in MVO to staff? Uh, heaps uh, have an inevitable problem on their hands. There really isn't a lot of upgrades needed; just execution. This is, but this is lower league soccer. Prepare for a favorite scent packing or retiring. Yeah, there's a lot there, and we had a lot of market momentum being built in season one. Then COVID absolutely killed it. Then this year, we had so much momentum going into the home playoff game. We were finally getting articles written, everything. And the game was canceled. And I could rant about that for hours and years and years and years. And Pittsburgh could give us money to repay the losses. But it will never make up for what happened. And I think going to Progressive after a home playoff game could have could have been okay I think we could have seen maybe 10,000 people at the first game I think we could have done that but not getting that first playoff game at home I think really put us behind I think there's going to be more fans there than we're expecting but it's going to look like a lot fewer because of the stadium itself hopefully the club invest money into tarps to make it look less empty As for the whole protective uh, move into the Met, I don't know if I would have hated that if it was in Birmingham. I don't want to have to go out to Hoover for matches, personally, but I don't know if that would have been the worst thing. If you could have transformed it like Al Lang, I think Al Lang is absolutely stunning. I think that would have been really interesting to see, but that would have to have been a Birmingham move, not to Hoover. Um, And I think Nick might have said something similar along the lines of that. But... As for building the club and building up relevancy, somebody said, you know, it's probably going to be $2 hot dogs and $5 general admission for the rest of, the, for the rest of next year. And I don't disagree. And I think something the Legion should do is open up the SG again for general admission. Not everybody's going to join the Magic City Brigade, and that's okay. You know, I want everybody to join because I do enjoy being a part of that. But, 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 but allowing people to get into the rowdier parts of the stadium, you know, maybe they'll start clapping along to some stuff. Maybe they'll start singing. And if we can get 20 more people singing at a game, it just raises our voice. And we've had a lot of members leave, at least from what I can tell. And it sucks. It really hurts. Hopefully, with COVID vaccines and booster shots and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, there will be more people at matches. Uh, This year was kind of a bit of a bogey in a way because people are still rightfully kind of afraid of the pandemic, which is fair. So we'll see. As for the core to stay, I agree. Brett, Lapa, Sedu, Dean, Alex Cornali, and as for the MVO, Trevor Thing. Trevor, to me, has shown that he could be a, a GK1. I think all the keepers could be. I mean, Ford Parker last year showed that he showed that he is absolutely insane, and I think he would be a really fun person to see on the team as well next year. If MVO were to decide to retire, I think I think this year he was absolutely brilliant, and this was probably his best year since his Edmonton times. This is two times I brought up Edmonton in the same episode. This is weird. First time without Alan Koch. But, um, yeah, I think this was his best game or his best season since then. So I find it hard to see him retire after such a good season. But maybe, hey, retire while you're still on top. You don't want to go out like Dan Marino did, a football reference. Uh, Dan Marino did. That was awful. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, as for Trev, I mean, yeah, the dude could be GK1 easily. Uh, plus, I mean, I might be a little bit biased in that because I absolutely adore the dude, but hey, you know what? It's great to have favorites. It's more than okay to have favorites. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of things I think the league and not just the league, but the Legion could do. Um, we need to start building up that social media presence and Hey, listen, Speaking of social media presence, let's talk about Clayton and Massimo. My biggest thing uh, from two years ago, or even last year, was the Legion were absolutely anemic on social media. They didn't do it. They didn't want to be a part of it. And this year, they show they showed up and they showed out with the social media content. And I say thank you. Thank you so much for everything you guys did on social media. It's so much fun to have active admins, people who are having conversation, people who can sometimes take shots at their own fans or even other fans or even other clubs. It's awesome. I mean, the big club vibes after we beat Lou City um, at home a couple of weeks ago or I guess a couple months ago now, that was awesome. And we wouldn't have seen that from year one. And I'm so happy that we finally invested in social media. It's great. I'm so, so happy about that. Um, so shout out to Clayton Massimo. Um, yeah, I I think we need to start posting more stuff. The Legion are very, very active in the community. And we see it on the player social media all the time. Like, hey, we're down here. We're down here. We're at this charity. We're at this hospital doing this, 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 and this. But we don't see the team post about it. And, you know, I guess it's kind of one of those things of Roll G's moving in silence like lasagna. But, I mean, I wish the club would post about it a little bit more. So that way the news would pick up on it. And when people start reading about this soccer team who is helping out the community, talking to LGBTQ plus groups and going to see kids with cancer, maybe even kids who live in low SES areas or whatever so on so forth i think it can make a huge impact on getting fans in the seats and something i think that we should be involved in i think we should be actively a part of the uh, her game two movement i do and i will i will continue to fight for that i think the legion would end up being the first american team which would gain a lot of fans and a lot of support Around the world. And I don't want us to join just because of that. I think Her Game 2. Is a brilliant organization. I've been I've been following them. I absolutely adore the work they do. But. The Legion have shown that they care about those. These things. They care about. Uh, inclusivity. And equality. And so on and so forth. I think Her Game 2 would be a perfect thing. For the Legion to be a part of. But. That is about it. That's all I have to cover for today. In this first part of the State of the Legion, I'll probably make some more updates as we find out some roster stuff. I'll probably make more updates uh, as the days go on or as the weeks go on. I'm looking to make some more content with Benton and John. I think our forwards slash goalkeepers drafting is coming up soon. And, yeah, we'll see. Like I said at the very beginning... If you want to support this show, check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash hammering down. Like I said, you can do a one-time little payment. You could say bump that. I'm going to help you monthly. Or, Or if you so wish, don't pay anything at all. You listening to this is more than enough support for me, and I'm so happy. Just share this with your friends and family. And follow along on Spotify, on Apple. Make sure that you're following the pod and yeah thank you guys so so much for listening until next time guys keep hammering on